Welcome to the Gentle Counselor Podcast, episode number 11. Welcome back to the Gentle Counselor Podcast. My name is Crystal and I am the creator of the Gentle Counselor. I provide online resources to support the mental health and well-being of parents and children. Today on the podcast, we have a special guest, Carmony from Live Joy Your Way, and she's going to talk to us today about why you need to stop outsourcing your self-worth. Carmony Wood is a certified life, wellness, and teen life coach. She works with teen girls and women of all ages, leading them on their own journey towards inner confidence. Carmony knows women encounter unique struggles as they grow and mature, and are often encouraged to find their value in the judgment of others. As a woman and a mother of young girls, she knows that this constant pressure to find external validation holds many women back from acknowledging their inner power. Having struggled with the urge to constantly spend her energy focused on pleasing others, Carmony knows what it feels like to neglect her own feelings and needs. She is on a mission to help every woman who has ever struggled with codependency, low self-esteem and insecurity. Carmony feels called to guide others to recognize their own strength and inner power beginning in their teen years where these toxic ideas are first imprinted on us. To help teens and women live their most authentic life, her coaching program addresses four key areas, emotional mindset, behavior, and inner spirit intuition. Welcome to the Gentle Counselor podcast, Carmony. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to have you on to talk a bit more about what it is that you do. But first, can you tell us a bit more about yourself? Yes, absolutely. So I am based in the U.S. I am a first-generation American. My parents immigrated to the United States when they were in their teens. And I was raised in a predominantly white town, in a small town in Connecticut, with the unique name of Comedy. So it stuck out quite a bit. Um, It got um, mispronounced very often. And I distinctly remember uh, being in school and having um, substitute teachers come in and go through the roll call, for instance, and they would mispronounce my name. And I would have all the snickers and sneers, and it would be this bright light of how different I was. So from a very early age, I acquired the false identity that I needed to somehow prove my worth and prove that I was good enough to fit in with the rest of the crowd, so to speak. And so that's when my own people-pleasing tendencies started. And I went through my you know, teen years and my adulthood really defining myself by the roles I was playing, looking for those external validations. Was I, was I good enough? Was I doing okay? Was I pleasing others? Were they happy with me? Was I making them happy? All of the things where you're constantly looking outside of yourself. But I'm also a mom. I'm actually a mom of five. And so my children were my catalyst to change. They were my, it was actually my middle daughter who was my true wake-up call. When I saw her people-pleasing and being overly concerned with making sure that other people were happy before even thinking about her own feelings and emotions, it was this um, immediate wake-up call that if I didn't shift and change and, and work on myself, because I realized that she was getting that from me. So if I didn't make that change, it was just going to repeat for generations. So I went through my own self-transformation. And during that process, I was really able to observe how I had been living as a hostage to those external validations and those external expectations and realize that this is an issue that many people face. 
And so I was truly called to figure out a way to create a life where I could support others. And so I went through a life coaching certification program. I went through some specialty certification programs in order to really help people heal that relationship with themselves so that they can then have healthier relationships with other people and they can build the life that they want and they can define success and happiness for themselves from an, from an inside place. So instead of outsourcing their self-worth, they're really sourcing it from inside. That's such great insight that you had when you realized how it was then impacting your children and like how wonderful is that, that you were able to acknowledge that earlier on, right? Rather than leaving it or not noticing it happening. And it's interesting how you talk about your name, like a simple thing as a name being mispronounced, but it's really not simple because that's like our first sense of identity. And even I got your name wrong when I first said hello to you um, today on the podcast. And as a teacher as well, because I have a background in teaching, I remember always feeling so terrible when I would get students names wrong and you can see the disappointment or the shame in their face. And you're right because then other children react a certain way. And it's like that first chip away at someone. Yeah. It's, it's that, you know, it's interesting because you, you know, we were joking about the mispronunciation of my name and I have come full circle where I recognize it. It's just part, it's part of who I am. It makes me unique. So instead of thinking of it in a critical way, I'm now able to embrace it and realize that people are going to remember me because of my unique name. But when you're younger, that's what happens is we take on these false identities. You know, the, either like the I'm not good enough identity is one or I'm invisible or I have to prove my worth, which is the one that I sort of ended up taking on. And then we carry them through and we don't realize, we don't realize that they're there. They're just these covert messages that we've acquired when we were younger. And then they influence how we continue to show up. And until we come to that point where we become aware that they're there and we make the decision that we, we need to shift it, it kind of still plays in the background and plays into most of what we do. And in terms of the wake up call for me personally, I mean, I'm the mom of five and this is my middle child. So I'm sure that there were other instances where it was there, but it was when she, in that particular moment, it was that opening for me. I finally really saw it. And, and there was that doorway. And I, I say this a lot, that awareness is the doorway to change. And in that moment, I was aware and I chose, I chose to walk through that doorway at that point to change. And that's the thing too, is to recognize that we may not see it immediately and that's okay. It's all, you know, life's a journey, but when we do and we can, we can really commit to that change and shift, uh, the entire, you know, things can shift dramatically into the positive for us. And can you tell us a bit about what does mental health and well-being mean to you? And is there a concern you have in regards to mental health at the moment? Yes, I do. I am very concerned about mental health, especially right now, given what everything that's going on in the world at large. Um, I believe that mental health and uh, our physical well-being are intertwined. I don't believe, I believe that there, our mind, body, and spirit are, uh, they are connected and they, they really depend on one another. So when we take care of our physical body, for instance, but are not paying attention to our mental well-being and our emotional health, 
we are not truly fully healthy. They both depend on one another. And so it's interesting because I'll have, I'll have clients that I'm working with who are just only focused on losing weight, for instance, which is all the physical. And there are definitely positives when you are, your physical body is healthy. But we also always work on that mental, emotional side too, because if we don't take care of that, there's, it's almost like putting a Band-Aid on. You know, we're a full being, we're a whole package. And so our, we have to take care of our whole self, not just the physical side, but absolutely the mental and the emotional side. And I do truly believe that right now we are in this state of the world where we really have to start having communication and conversations with each other about things like mental health and emotional health. I think that even in our schools today, we know we're very good about talking about academics and the academic subjects, but that social emotional learning component is missing. And we really need to put an emphasis on adding that into our curriculum for our children. You're so right. And I'm currently working as a school counselor and I'm noticing a lot of my conversations now when, you know, we have our uh, staff or group meetings and they're talking about students that are having difficulties with their academic work. I'm sitting there going, okay, well, this student is having issues with, you know, issues at home or they have trauma issue or they have ASD or they've just been diagnosed with anxiety. And so I'm trying to explain to them, unless that is met first, there's no way they're going to be able to concentrate on their academics. That's just not where their body is literally putting the energy right now. And it's interesting when you need to explain that to someone because it's not common sense yet we're still living in this world where we're still having to talk about mental health struggles and still having to educate others and still trying to get the message out there because it's falling on deaf ears still it is and it's still sort of it's sort of one of those things that it's not as taboo as it used to be but people are still somewhat they they are still afraid to talk about it and the more we can bring topics like this into the light and, you know, out of the shadow, but into the light so that we can understand that this is just part of human, being a human, you know, being a full and complete person. And in terms of our children and our, and our teens who are in school right now, learning how to recognize the emotions that they're having and, and the validity in what they're feeling is so important because you're absolutely right. The academics are, are not going to come if they're dealing with something from that emotional, mental place that's not being handled. While we're on this topic, do you mind telling us a bit more about your own journey with mental health? Um, sure. I mean, I, you know, I, I was a, I am an overachiever, I'm a high achiever. And the thing that would happen with me is my own journey took me on this fear of failure, right? Because I was constantly trying to please others and live through these external, external expectations and external validations. And so I would get really down on myself if I felt that somehow I failed somebody or I failed, you know, at a task. And so for me personally, it was coming to terms with how am I talking to myself? You know, am I even honoring my own feelings and needs and relearning that? Because when you don't do that, it can send you into the spiral because you're con- if you're constantly worried or constantly in this state of stress, that's essentially just sitting in the fight or flight mode your body is going to eventually um, uh, suffer trauma because you can only maintain that state for a certain amount of time. And so for me personally, my mental health journey took me through this process of, okay, 
I, I, I recognize I'm a high achiever, but I can do it in, in a certain way such that I'm not constantly striving to please others or to live to these external validations in such a way that it's unhealthy, you know, and, and I'm getting down on myself. And it's also relearning how to move from judgment of self into this place of self-compassion and recognizing that you're just, you're a spiritual being having a human experience and you're doing the best you can with the information you have. And when I really came to terms with that, not just on an intellectual level, but from like an actual core, you know, in my, in my whole being state, right? From, from the inside out, once I really embraced that concept and recognized I don't have to sit in judgment of myself day in and day out, I was finally able to see that light and move forward. And that's why I do what I do now, because I'm all about helping others recognize that the strengths and their uniqueness is, um, well, their, their uniqueness is their strength, and that is the gift that this world needs. You're so right, because we are always our own worst critics. But then if we were to have a friend or family member come to us voicing similar things that, you know, we're telling ourselves and we would treat them in such a completely different way and most likely from a place of empathy and love and support. Yet we can't even do that to ourselves. Exactly. Exactly. We would never speak to others the way that we speak to ourselves most of the time. It's so true. And I was talking about this the other day um, because I have a monthly membership called Gentle Motherhood and we're doing some work on your inner critic. And so one of the activities we did to make it a bit more fun is to give that inner critic a name because then Mm. it takes a lot of power away from it and then you can kind of make it like a joke or, you know, you're putting it onto someone else. Then it's separate from you and that makes it a lot easier to recognize and analyze. Yes. I love that. I actually recently with a client had her use a comics voice, you know, when that inner critic starts to use it with like a, make it, make it a comics voice rather than when using her own voice, like in her own mind, pretend it was a comic speaking (laughs) to her. Just to your point, to make it sound almost silly to the point where you're like, wait, what? (laughs) Why am I talking to myself that way? (laughs) Then you realize how ridiculous it is. And then you're like, that's not true. These are not true. Thoughts that we have are not always true. We do lie to ourselves. Yes, yes, yes. What was something that you did for your mental health and where did you find the most support for that? So truthfully, I found the most support by using a coach myself. Um, And the reason for that is because um, my family 100% supports and loves me, but they were used to me showing up a certain way. So the dynamic between myself and my family members had already been established. So they were so close to the situation that they were not going to be the people who could help me shift and see things from a different viewpoint because they too were so close to the situation. So I felt having that third party support was a huge help for me. And truthfully, the work that really made the difference was being an observer of how I was judging myself and also becoming an observer of when I was not, um, checking in with myself. For instance, I was so used to worrying about pleasing others and their happiness that I would always default. It came from a place of codependency at that point where I was so codependent on their happiness and validation from them. I wouldn't check in with myself. So the, the real work was getting back in line 
with who I was and asking myself things like, what do I feel right now and what do I need? And then the second part of that is learning how to communicate that to others. Because communication and boundaries, when you, when you are in a position of um, pleasing others and, and worrying so much about how they feel about things, you end up not really setting great boundaries. So it was learning how to communicate from a place, again, of compassion so that it didn't come across as though I was um, being judgmental or adversarial, but rather just simply setting boundaries for my own worth and my own happiness. And um, when I was able to finally do that work and, and reset those patterns is when that huge shift happened for me. And it's not to say that it's perfect, right? Because there is nothing as thing as perfection. We, it's just all about evolution and growth, right? And so when I also came to terms with the fact that I'm not going to get this, you know, air quotes right, because there is no such thing as perfect. And it's just a journey of learning along the way. There are days when I feel that I've been set back, but then it's just, okay, well, let me recognize that. Let me have a little bit of self-forgiveness there. And I'm just going to recenter and reset and keep going forward. That's so great that you were able to get the support to do that as well, because Often, you know, it's like that saying of it takes a village to raise a child, but also what I'm finding through not only my motherhood journey, but just general adulting is that <laughs> we can't do it on our own. We all do need support. And I've been seeing all these funny memes lately about, remember when you were a kid and you thought 30 year olds had their lives together, ha ha ha, help. <laughs> like, because then you realize all of us are still feeling the same or similar in that we're all still having struggles because like you mentioned earlier, that's just part of the human experience. And I think for some reason we got into our head that there's a certain age or certain point in your life where you would have everything figured out and it's all laid out perfectly, all ironed, all neat, but that's just not how it is. You know, it's like we're traveling a road with hills and throughout mm -hmm. our lives, we're going to have little hills and big hills and there'll be the ups and the downs. But what's going to help us through that is having people around us that are going to hear us and listen and who we can also gain some information from to inform ourselves. Absolutely. It's all about, and, and that's why I end up talking about how, how do we build resilience? You know, how do we build it when we're facing these adverse situations? And one of the things I often talk about is recognizing where your support system and, your, and how do you strengthen your support, right? So it's recognizing where can I go to, to ask for help when I need it, recognizing that there's strength in vulnerability and being okay with, with seeking that support out when you need it. And what's some of the uh, best advice or help that you received? And do you have any uh, resources that you'd like to share that you found really useful? Um, honestly, the, the best, um, quote that I heard that really that I still I repeat routinely which is that life is a journey that is happening through us and for us not to us was such a huge shift in how I was looking at life because I know for a fact that when I was really in the thick of it and sort of feeling not great about some, some of the decisions I made because I realized oh my gosh I've set this up so my kids are turning into these people pleasers it was like what did I what have I done and you know, it felt like things were being done to me and having that real shift of recognizing that this is just a journey and I'm learning things along the way. And it's a process of, of applying those going forward was huge for me. Um, a book that I would absolutely recommend that really did also sort of hit this 
idea um, on the head is Mastery by George Leonard. It is a great, it's a quick read. It does not take very long. And it's a great way to recognize um, that, you know, as we're going through life, for instance, there's a quote in there, and I'm, I'm going to misquote it, but it talks about how, you know, we get these bruises along the way, but those bruises are the things that actually teach us the most and we can learn from them to move forward. So I really, I really, um, I, I really love the book and I, I, re I actually refer back to it routinely when I kind of just need that reset. Um, and my advice or my, the thing that I tell people all the time is it's not about fixing the past. It's about standing in your present looking back to the past to learn, but stand in your present. And then it's about generating the future that you want. And I think a lot of the times people get stuck in the muck where they think they have to go back and fix something in the past. And it's, it's the past is done. It's, it's gone, but you can take lessons from it. It's just not about fixing it. That was a big turning point for me as well. When I heard that phrase or that message about thinking that things aren't happening to you, they're happening for you. That really was like a mind blowing moment for me because it completely changes your perception and you stop kind of playing the victim role. And then you start getting into that mindset of taking charge or like how you're talking about being resilient and thinking, okay, so what can I learn from this and what can I then do about this? And it really helps propel you into the direction of positive change rather than feeling stuck. Yes. Yes. And, you, and what you said is beautiful. It is about stepping outside the victimhood. It's, it's taking, looking at it saying, what's my part in this and how do I want to generate my future and, and making the decision to, to, to move forward. Well, we've come to the end of our podcast now. Do you have any promotional offers that you can offer our audience who are listening? Oh, absolutely. If your listeners would like a copy of my Rise Up Strategy Guide, they can download that for free right from my website, which is www.comedywood.com. Or if they would like to just chat about what might be coming up, I do offer uh, complimentary calls that are 30 minutes long, and they can grab a time at chatwithcommony.com. Thank you so much, Carmeny, for coming onto the podcast today. And I'll make sure to link all of Carmeny's social media handles and websites down below if you would like to check her out further, like on Facebook or Instagram. You can find her at It's Authentic Me. Thank you so much again for coming onto the podcast today, Carmeny. Thank you so much for having me. It was such a pleasure.